0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm uh, Pastor James Matchett. I'm the executive pastor here at One Hope, and I'm glad to be here with you this morning um, because... Uh, a lot of us aren't here. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people joining us online this morning um, because we've we've got a lot of people who are sick, and we know that, and you know that, and um, so I'm glad that you you made it. You're one of the survivors right now, and um, but we know that there's some people that are going to be joining us online, and so um, and who are sick right now. So I just want to say a real quick prayer for those who are who are sick. Um, will you just join me um, in doing that? Dear Heavenly Father, I, I pray for those who weren't able to be with us, who wanted to be here, who um, are, are sick, um, a number of things that are going around. I just pray that you'd give them strength, you'd keep them safe, um, and that you heal them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, before I got married to my wife, Katie, um, before we got engaged, um, when we were dating, there was a moment where everything kind of changed, where she proved her love. For me, and this is like this was the serious moment. This is where there's like everything before in the relationship, and then everything after. This was the turning point. This was when I knew she was serious about getting serious, you know. Um, But this was this was the one big romantic gesture that she made for me, and that she was willing to sit and watch all five Rocky movies with me. Um, And that's when I knew that I had the right one, you know, I've always loved the Rocky movies I don't know if you've seen them or not, but I've I've just always loved them and I've watched them more times than I can even I can even count Um, but uh, Basically the the concept of Rocky is if you think you're gonna win you're gonna lose Um, and if it's impossible for you to win then you're gonna win so that's basically all of the stories, um, so they're, you know, so, sorry for, like, the spoiler, um, but that's just kind of how they are. But there is some truth to it, um, and, and, and that is, you see in the movies, you prepare differently when you know that you're about ready to walk into a challenge. You prepare differently when you know that you are going to face an obstacle that is significant. You prepare differently when you know that you're about ready to walk into a storm. Um, it just is simply the truth. You take it more seriously, you're more, you're more intentional, um, you put things in place that you wouldn't put in place, you work hours that you wouldn't have worked, you, you work longer and harder, and um, you just simply prepare differently. And if there's one thing the last couple of years have taught us is that uh, we don't know what's coming, uh, that we are going to face storms in life. There are going to be challenges, there are going to be obstacles, um, and we more than ever, we know that we are out of control. We cannot control what is coming. There's going to be some storms that we are going to face. And, and I know that sounds like, oh, that's just the last couple of years. But I think many of you in the room know that that's not the truth, that it has always been this way. If I think back generations before me that went through the Great Depression and have gone through world wars, and like there, there have always been storms. And in the midst of all of those big ones, we have our own, our own individual ones. You lose loved ones. You face Sickness and disease like you you have your own challenges and your own storms that um, that you're facing And even though we know that logically, I don't know that we actually prepare that way in life I don't know that we really go about our lives Preparing to withstand those things. I I think and, and I can just speak for myself I think I generally operate in that I assume that my life is going to be good and happy and so then when an obstacle or a challenge or a storm comes, I'm surprised. I'm caught off guard. I, get even, I even get angry. I sometimes get angry at God. But should I have really been surprised that a storm came in, into my life? I don't know that we always, or I don't know that we prepare in such a way that we know that we're going to walk into a life. And what does that even look like? What, what would it look like to to be intentional, to to know we're going to walk into challenges, to know we're going to walk into a storm, and to do what we need to do to prepare today so that we can withstand those in a better way as we move forward. And I'm going to be honest with you, there is a reason why this has been on my mind for months. And that's why finally, Pastor Scott said, you just need to preach it because this is just the like, I just keep talking about it, and I don't know why, but, but one of the reasons this is important to me is that my, my daughters are now at an age where they're coming home and they're discussing adult-type storm things. And it's, it's making me realize that in a few years, I'm going to be sending my kids out into the storms. And I'm having to ask myself, as a father, I have limited time left, Have I done a good job in helping them prepare a life that will last? A life that can withstand those storms? Because you know as well as I do that if a storm catches you off guard and it devastates you, you become vulnerable. You can make life-altering decisions when you feel devastated by a storm. And so I'm asking these questions, what does it look like? And I thought at the beginning of this year, what would it look like for us this year to be intentional about building a life that can withstand whatever comes? And my mind kept going back to a passage of Scripture, and you know this passage of Scripture, so it's not new to you, but for some reason, it just kept coming back to this Scripture again and again and again. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 27. This is the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is the last illustration that he gives at the end of the sermon, and he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The wise man heard the words of Jesus and put them into practice and built his house on a rock that could withstand the storms. Jesus is talking about building in such a way that we are anchored, building in such a way that we are grounded, building in such a way that we can face whatever comes. You see, when we build houses, we build them with storms in mind, don't we? Like, we, we're smart enough to prepare our house for the storms. We put a roof on our house because we know we're going to need it at some point. <laughs> we, we make sure the walls are strong because we know at some point we're going we're to need them. And yes, obviously, one of the strongest things that we put into the houses is a, a foundation, and today I want to talk about that foundation, but I actually want to go even deeper than the flat concrete slab foundation itself. That beneath that, it's a part of the foundation, but beneath that, if you see when they are done clearing a, a spot for a building, they dig trenches. They go deeper into the ground to put something that they call footers. And they put these footers deeper into the ground under the flat foundation and these these footers anchor everything into the ground and they also kind of they work like a cleat so that no matter what what comes the house stays in place and so I just I, I began to just kind of start to ask myself a question is is are there are there footers, habits practices that go deeper because obviously when Jesus, he just got done preaching a sermon, there are layers and layers to Jesus's teaching that obviously we need to apply and they, they are a part of that foundation that we live our lives on. The truth of God's word, that, that, that is that foundation. But I believe that there are principles, there are things that, that can even go deeper into the ground to anchor us and keep us solid. And what, what, would, those, what would those things be? What would those, those footers look like? Well, the first one that I came up with, and again, I'm trying to think not only of how to prepare my children for the life that they're going to walk into, but just so you know, this is not just for our children. If I want to prepare my life for the storms, it's the same advice. If I want to prepare my marriage for the storms, to face the storms so that it can last, I'm going to, it's the same advice. If you want to counsel a friend, a coworker, <clears throat> a family member, to try to help them in life to withstand what comes. It's going to be the same advice. I believe that this is good advice. This is how you build a life that lasts. So the first thing um, that I came to was the first footer is clarity that comes from the Word of God to combat confusion. I don't have to tell you that the world is throwing all kinds of philosophies our way. As a matter of fact, it's not just one philosophy. Every family member, every friend, every every coworker has a philosophy. <laughs> we're, we're all philosophers now, and we have a, a way, a point of view, and a way of thinking, and, and we're just getting bombarded with that. Every TV show and movie that I watch now seems to be um, have an agenda to it. It's, it's propaganda, and I I. I I think I see some of it because I've seen it change. I saw it before and I now see it after. But what happens to our kids when they're raised in it and they know nothing else but, but just a bombardment of these different philosophies and belief systems? Where do, and, and then how, where do you even go? It's exhausting just finding your way th- through it all, to fight it all off, let alone to even know where you stand. We have to have something that can cut through, but luckily we do. (laughs) And we know that we do. But we don't use it. Church, for those of you who are here or even watching online, if statistics are true, the majority of us here didn't open our Bible one time this week, didn't read one verse. If statistics are true, we have to get better. For our sake, yes. For our marriage, yes. For our family, yes. For our kids, yes. If we don't do it, how are they going to do it? I need to know that my kids know how to open the Word of God and read, even if it's just a verse. To read and reflect. To reflect on the promises of God. To be reminded of those, these truths. And to sense His presence and His leading to cut through the confusion that is is bound to hit them out there in the world. You see, the Word of God has the power to keep us grounded. It allows us to be grounded by a truth that is bigger than ourselves. We don't have to make up a philosophy for ourselves or a position statement for ourselves. We have it. We need to open it. Even if it's a verse a day, church, even if it's a verse a day, read a verse. That consistency can keep us headed in the right direction and can keep us lifted by the promises of God. We need it so desperately. The, first, the second footer is a connection connection to the church of God to combat insecurity. You see, the world is going to tell my kids, the world's going to tell us so we have everything that we need. We can be whatever we want to be. We can do whatever we want to do. We can say whatever we want to say. We got whatever truth we want to have. Listen, uh, individualism is good to a certain point. But the problem is, is that when I build all of my life on my shoulders, at some point it becomes too heavy. Do you realize what insecurity is? Insecurity is the fear that I'm not enough. Well, guess what? I'm not enough. I've had to face countless things in my life that were bigger than me. And the problem when I build everything on me, well, that works great as long as you're at the top, but what happens when you get knocked to the bottom and things fall apart and you face something that you just simply know is bigger than you? Where do you turn for answers? Where do you turn for meaning? Where's the purpose or the meaning in all of this? I think sometimes we take things for granted because we we grew up in the church. So many of us, we grew up in the church. I don't think we realize what the church has done for us. The church keeps us connected in such a beautiful way to the things that matter most. It, It grounds us. It keeps us connected. As we reach out and worship him, it keeps us connected to a God who is so much greater than us. Beyond that, it keeps us connected to the people around us. That we have to care about how we treat those around us. It keeps us connected. And it keeps us connected to the mission. That this life is really about the kingdom of God advancing into eternity. The church keeps us connected to something bigger than ourselves. and, And we need it. And it's with those things that we find our place in the world. That's why if I ever moved, I'd move into an area and I'd figure out where I was living and then I'd find a church. If I have a family, I, they need to be here. Because you can so quickly lose it and start living for yourself. You can lose your place in this world. But the church keeps us grounded to an identity that is bigger than ourselves. That I am in this world beautiful connection with the God of the universe and my fellow man, and we have a purpose. It's powerful. The fourth footer is community. We need relationships. One of the worst things is to go through a storm and feel like you are the only one. We all need relationships. Some of us need them more than others, and some of us try to convince ourselves we don't need them and then, until we do need them, and then we, we whine and complain because nobody's there for us. <laughs> but we need relationships. And listen, we find community, a different kind of community in the church, community found here in groups and service teams to combat the isolation that we can face in our lives. I want my kids to be in the church, but I also want them to find their, their belonging there, their community there, their family there. There are so many in this room right now that would give me just testimony after testimony about what their small group or what their ministry team has done for them when they needed them the most. We need each other. And listen, we need community in every, every area of our life. You need, to, you need to know your neighbors, you need to know your coworkers. You may or may not find your best friend here. Maybe you already have that from high school, from college. I don't know. Every relationship is different. But what I do know that you you should be able to find here is you should be able to find a group that share your values so that you don't have to keep fighting that, your priorities, your faith, and they will smile and they will hug you and they will encourage you and they will pray for you and they will be there for you if you need them to be there for you. And that is unbelievably valuable. Will you find your best friend? I don't know. Maybe you will or maybe you won't. But what you'll find is is a family that will be here for you. I want to speak just for a minute. We all know that getting into a small group can add a layer of community to our lives. And you need to be in a small group. You need to have that community. I know you say, I don't need it. But you, you don't need it until you need it. And at the least, you can be a blessing to somebody else. But you need to have people who care about what happened in your week. Or you're going to get isolated and you're going to get depressed. But let me tell you, one of the best ways to find community in the church, so underestimated, is to serve in a team. Because when you serve in ministry at the church, you are are so in the lifeblood of what's happening here. You're so entwined with the people that you're serving and the people that are serving you. and, um, and, And it's just... It's, it's so powerful to be in a ministry, whether you're in the kids, you know, you're serving the kids and you're serving um, with, with a team member and the parents are coming and you're getting to know the parents and you're watching these kids grow up. It is such a blessing. You, you learn so many people. I stood outside last week in the front with the guys that are always out there greeting. They know way more people at this church than I do because they just stand out front. They see, this, they see all of y'all walking in every week. There's community that is found in serving with one another. What you will realize, if you serve consistently, you're going to walk away with a collection of one of the most valuable things that you could ever find, and that is relationships. You're going to get to know the parents. You're going to get to know the kids. You're going to get to know people. Whether it's kids, whether it's youth, whether it's our tech crew. We've got people that run cameras and do the lights out in here and stuff I don't know how to do. And people that greet and smile and open doors. There's, there's places everywhere. Worship choir, creative, people here take pictures. There's, there's so many places. And you, you, you find yourself in a place where you're serving side by side with somebody and you're finding community. The last one. Oh, community grounds us to a family that's bigger than us. One thing I've learned, and I think it's more and more common, is all of us have different families. We have different types of families. But we, we need family. And the church can provide some of that community, some of that family, especially for some that don't have it. And in our world, in facing storms, we need all the family we can get. So the last one is compassion. Compassion expressed through giving to meet the needs of others that can combat the emptiness in life. Listen, I think there's something good in us. There's a survival instinct inside of each of us that, that makes us wanna provide for ourselves, which is, I think, a good thing, or we'd all be living in somebody's basement. So I think it's, it's good to have that, but it's very easy for us to take that too far. We can very easily get tempted into living to provide for us. And then we see it as a means to, so, well, I'm just providing for my family, Um, and so, but it's still all about us and your kids pick up on that. They're like, well, it's all about us and we got to be careful. We don't send those kids out into the world, you know, like they need to learn. And there's, there's a lack of empathy the ability to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. To be able to kind of walk in their shoes without walking in their shoes. But to be able to know and to kind of understand where they're coming from and to understand what they're facing. So that we can, so that we can identify and have those feelings of compassion. To be willing to reach out and to love and to help and to serve. One of the things I love about being in the church is that there's constantly opportunities that are just placed in front of us for us to make a difference, for us to respond to. And you've done so many of, and so many of those um, over Christmas and over the holidays. <clears throat> but I need to know that my kids, when I send them out, I need to know that they, they know how to have empathy. They know how to feel compassion. They are willing to sacrifice something of theirs to give to meet the needs of somebody else that they are willing to serve. For that grounds us to a purpose that is greater than ourselves. For without others, there is just emptiness. We can convince ourselves that life is about comfort, and that's what we chase. But we learn, eventually, that comfort doesn't provide happiness. That all of the things that provide happiness involve other people, and our ability to interact with them and impact them and allow them to impact us. That's where purpose is found. And so we've got these these footings that I identified that I, I want for myself so that I'm ready and prepared. I've got these footings that I want for my kids so that they're ready. Clarity that comes from the word of God. Connection to something bigger than themselves to help them find their place in the world, the church community that comes, positive Christian community that comes within the church from groups and service teams and compassion, the ability to live out empathy in their everyday life and to be willing to do that. But listen, those practices in and of themselves, they're powerful. They are. Even, even people who don't share our faith have learned that those practices are powerful and implement those practices. But let me tell you why those practices are even more powerful for us and for our families, and for our kids is because these were the things that Jesus modeled. These were the things that Jesus taught. These were the things that Jesus called us to. And so as a result, when we engage in these things, especially as they're tied to the church, what we find is, is when we are there in that space, we find God in that space. That these are means of grace That we don't just go there and we have this positive habit or this positive action. They are positive habits. They are positive actions. But we find God there. And God finds us there. And he ministers to us and he fills us and he strengthens us. And he guides us and he directs us. You see, these footers are almost like roots that go deep into the ground that pull a strength from another source. It's in these areas of our life that we get to experience the God that is described in this way many places throughout Scripture. But the God that's described here in Psalm 46, 1 through 11, it says, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river, a source of life, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Do we need these practices, these footers when we face a storm? Yes, we do. But they're so powerful for us because it's not just the footer that we rest on and rely on in those times. What we need most of all when facing the storms, no matter what they come, are those words, be still and know that I am God. That though this storm might be bigger than me, it is not bigger than my God. It is there that we find rest and that we find peace in the midst of the storm. And so unfortunately I have to send my kids out at some point, I have to. And they're gonna face storms and some of them are going to threaten to knock them over and they're going to bring in those moments when we're off balance and we're upset and things hurt and are broken and we face these challenges, there's confusion, there's insecurity, There's isolation. There is emptiness. But my hope is that we can prepare our lives in such a way that those things don't destroy us. Because we have built a foundation on the rock. And we have clarity from the word of God to see us through. We have a connection to our God and to others that gives us a place in this world. We have community and a family that extends far from just our own immediate as a support. And we have compassion that brings purpose into everyday life. There's still a lot, so how do we put it into practice? I'm gonna teach you a concept. Maybe some of you know, you've read this book and some of you don't, but I believe that you can, we can put all of these things in practice for ourselves, for our kids, And two, keystone habits. Keystone habit is something I learned about by reading a book a long time ago, Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit. He talks about keystone habits. What a keystone habit is, is it is one habit that when practiced, affects a number of other areas of your life automatically by default. So for instance, exercise is a keystone habit, whether we like it or not. Because when we exercise, we feel better, we sleep better, we tend to want to eat better. You see, it's one habit, but when we do this one habit, it affects many other things in in our lives. It's a keystone habit. I believe that we have two keystone habits that can allow us and my kids, these are the things I have to get them into before they leave my home, that they, this has to be a normal part of their routine. And the first is 15 minutes a day to read and reflect on the Word of God. That's where clarity is going to come from for you and for me. It doesn't have to take a long time. It's 15 minutes. I guarantee you, you can wake up 15 minutes early and it's not going to impact you. We all need this 15 minutes every day to provide this clarity and comfort that comes from the Word of God. Listen, a lot of us in the room right now, we've got storms raging on the inside of us everywhere we go because we haven't taken this time to allow God to speak into our hearts and our lives and sort through all of that stuff. When we're there daily, cleaning house daily, in his word, and in his presence. then we can walk out into life with peace. So 15 minutes, and that's just the clarity one. All the rest, the second keystone habit, three hours, Sunday morning. Three hours, Sunday morning. We made some changes over the last couple of years to the programming here, and some of it is because life has just gotten so crazy. It's just hard. Life is crazy. You've got sports. You've got practices. You've got schools. People are scheduling things every evening, every night, every weekend day, every, every whatever. It's all over the place. And so we just don't live in a, a world where you can go to church the, this time and then go home and then come back for another program and then go home and then come back for another program. We just don't, we don't live in that, that world anymore. But this is what's great about two services on Sunday mornings, three hours on Sunday mornings. And you can get connection, community, and compassion for you and for your kids. Let's talk about your kids, two two hours for your kids. What your kids are are learning down in KidSpot Junior and in KidSpot, they're focusing on the clarity and the connection, that's what they need. And they need repetition. Repetition is what kids need. They love being there for two hours with their friends, both hours tell the story in a different, unique, and creative way. They're getting the reinforcement of principles and virtues that will last, that you want to last as a parent. Listen, we spend a fortune on our kids learning virtues in sports that are far less powerful than what they learn for free down there. They need both hours. So the rest of the family can do their thing for students. For our students, what are they getting? Well, at 9 o'clock, the students are getting their small group time. And then you want to know the most important thing for our students. Our students need to find their place of service within the church. So during this, this the 1045 hour, our students need to find a place of service My kids need to serve in church before they leave so that they know the value and the power of being intricately involved in the church's work. You know what, how great this is for your teenagers? They're going to, they're going to be rubbing shoulders and meeting people who are older than them, people who are younger than them, serving as a way of life. How, what kind of greater social value can you have? We do, we talk about socialism, uh, not that kind of socialism, socializing um, <laughs> for our kids. We want to do things so that they have these social opportunities. One of the best things that has ever happened to my, for my kids is the church. Because they built relationships with people who are their grandparents' age, people who are their parents' age, and they have served their peers. And so our teens need to be, and they can miss service at 1045 every once in a while because, to serve because Their worship is on Sunday night at youth. So how about you as adults? Pick the hour that you're going to worship because you need the worship. You need that to ground you and to connect you to your your identity that's bigger than yourself. The second hour, you find a group. You find a group to be involved in. And you find that that layer of community. And then you find a service team to be involved in because you need as much community as you can get and I promise you it's gonna be one of the most powerful practices for you to be involved in the life of the church and the work of the ministry and to be rubbing shoulders with those around you will you miss your group every four weeks every six weeks yes that's ten times a year or eight times a year to to serve yes but what you're gonna gather from that are these two types of community that you're going to build here within this church, people that you love to come and talk to and who love to see you and to talk to you. And because you're here every Sunday morning and your family's here every Sunday morning, the opportunities to extend compassion are consistently here to serve locally, to serve nationally, to serve globally. Do you realize how powerful that is? three hours every Sunday morning for you and your family to find their connection to the church and to God, to find community in groups and in teams and to experience the opportunities of compassion and giving their life to others. Those are not simple things, church. Those are the deeply rooted things that will sustain a life that we tend to neglect because we don't have the time or the energy or we're too busy with other things. We're too busy with other things until we're close to them leaving the house and I'm asking questions I should have asked a long time ago. We're too busy with other things until our kids are lost Our marriage is lost. And we're wondering what went wrong. I believe that these things are things we were made for. And as the worship team comes, I just want you to begin to think about these things. They're going to close us in one last song. I want you to think about what if this year we just, we just jumped in with our family. We made sure that our kids were getting everything that they could get from the church. That they were learning these verses and they were learning these virtues and they're finding their place. What if my students were getting everything that they could get? That they were in a group and they were able to ask questions that they can't always ask their parents of their group leader and they're able to have positive relationships and community and they're finding a place of service. What if they were there? What if we as adults just fully engaged? and found ourselves rooted for maybe the first time in a long time, to feel like we've got our feet underneath us, to feel like we've got a foundation that can help us before it's too late. What if we built our life for the storms we'll face? Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.